What is happening, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Monday Morning Blues, home of all things blues, jazz, rock, and southern rock music. I'm Christian Hansen, your host. Today is episode 32 with the wonderful Brian Durbin, lead singer of the greatest hair metal tribute band in the world, Hairbangers Ball. I talked to him on Friday. I had a great time talking to him. One of my favorite interviews, actually, uh, that I've ever done over the 32 episodes. So that was uh, quite a trip to talk to him. Great time. I hope everyone had a great weekend. Uh, I truly do. My weekends have sucked ass since October 11th. You might be asking why. That's kind of a strange day. Well, golf ended. So, yeah, like that was my only thing I was doing besides the podcast. It's golf, podcast, boom. Now I I just have the podcast. I mean, it's great. I love the show, but I I also enjoy getting outside and doing outdoor shit and, you know, escaping from reality that is just insane pandemic. I mean, people are dropping like flies. I mean, I lost one of the greatest uh, people of my of my life from COVID back in March, and it sucked. She was my, my childhood babysitter. She passed away right at the start from it, and it screwed me up big time. Uh, really depressed still about it, but just depressed in general. Been very depressed lately. Um... Yeah, the virus is a big part of it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you guys are getting through it. Um, whatever you guys are doing, good for you, man. Keep plugging along. Actually, email me. Let me know how you guys are doing. Uh, let me know if the show helps in any way, shape, or form. I know it does help a lot of people. I've been getting some messages from people saying your show you know, is really getting me through these times and stuff like that, which is insane. Makes me feel like just i'm just elated when i get some of those but yeah let me know how y'all are doing um i I really do care about anyone who ever decides to listen to me uh first and foremost that takes a lot of strength to do that i don't know how the hell you do it but you do and i'm (laughs) i'm appreciative of it certainly but uh yeah another thing is i'm thinking of doing a twitch thing starting in january um because, you know, there might be a different audience out there for me. I don't know. And so what I'm going to do starting January, I'm going to do live Twitch streams on Friday nights. And, yeah, you just come hang out and talk. It's literally just going to be me. Um, Come hang, you know, just get in the chat. Let's just, let's just come on and talk music. Yeah, blues, obviously rock, jazz. No, none of this poppy electronic stuff i love that music though but let's just keep it to blues jazz rock southern rock music folk music let's just let's just you know talk about the that type of music have a good time so i'm going to start that in january uh first so the first friday in january that's going to begin um i don't know the time yet it's probably going to be um seven o'clock to like 10 i'll be streaming for three hours i'm going to try it um, we'll see if you could stay up for three hours with me, but yeah, it's going to be a good time. I already have a Twitch, uh, channel up there. It's called the Monday morning blues. You can go ahead and just follow that for the time being. So when anything does go up there, you'll get notified. If you're on Twitch, cool. Let me know how the hell you do that thing because I'm struggling mightily at it. Um, video camera things have never been like my thing, which is strange because I made an award-winning documentary which is the funny thing. Um, 
And I filmed most of it too, which is even funnier. But it's the whole live streaming thing. That thing's so confusing to me. Uh, it's certainly a headache. Uh, it's just, it's, there's a lot involved with it. I mean, there was one interview I did the other day over someone's Twitch for the show, actually. You can go check it out there prior to the actual release on my show. Um, I did it with Sam Carney, John Mayer's guitarist, Avril Levine's guitarist. He opened for Bono. Dude, insane. Um, he he had me do his interview, and he asked if he can broadcast it on his Twitch. I said, sure. I've never done it before. Sounds interesting. So I'm like, absolutely. Let's do it. And it was. It was a good time. But his setup, holy cow. I mean, it looked like you were watching the news. And then he looked at me. My gosh, it was horrible. But um, that's something that looks really cool and interesting. So I'm going to actually do it. So 7 to 10, starting the first Friday of January, continuing for I don't know how long. But, uh, yeah, come hang out, come have fun, and obviously I'll post more updates as we get closer to that time. But, yeah, it's going to be a really exciting time for me and the show, and just to meet new people. I'm really, really excited about that opportunity. So, if you live in the Chicagoland area, be sure to, like I said at the start, uh, Even Flow Music in Geneva, Illinois, Friday, December 11th. You can catch this guy right here, Brian Durbin of Hairbangers Ball, kicking ass with his band there. Doors at 7, shows at 9. Be there, support live music. Do it safely. Have a good time. Without further ado, my interview with the great Brian Durbin. Yeah, yeah, it's usually, we're usually playing about, I would say, like 120 shows a year, but... Jesus. Um... Right now, yeah, not so much. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like, I, I mean, I, I listened to the one podcast you did with, um, that there was these, there was, I think it was like four dudes. I forget the name of the show. And you were talking to them at the start of it. Ages it was of like Rock March. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Great, great stuff. Um, and you were, you were saying, you, you were actually playing the, the what if it's really, as bad as people say type of thing. And you were right. You were saying you, you didn't think you'd be playing shows until the fall. And that was pretty much the truth with the exception of the show you had, I think it's Schaumburg um, in, in the drive-in. But that was, that was probably your first show since everything kind of hit the fan, right? Honestly, like it, it's really hard. Whoa, there goes the microphone. Whoa. It's really hard yeah. for me. to. Uh, it's really hard for me to remember exactly. Um, when because at this point in time you know we've done like so many shows at this point yeah. i mean like we're we're not at the like you know the level of where like a lot of bands can afford to just there there's three different types of bands there mm-hmm. there's bands that are just hobbyists they just do it for fun mm-hmm. there's um pros and then there are luxurious pros yeah. And like the luxurious pros have the luxury of being able to stop because, you know, they have, um, they have deep pockets. Whereas mm-hmm. a band like Hairbangers Ball were more like a mom and pop shop kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Um, and, you know, we're, we basically, you know, you know, it, it's what we do, but, you know, yeah. at the same point, it's not like we're Kiss where, you know, we can stop forever if we wanted right. to. We're Hairbangers Ball. We're we're not rock stars. We're mock stars. We're working musicians. I wouldn't so, say um, that. I mean, what's that? I said I, I wouldn't quite say that. I mean, you guys, 
to to some extent, I think honestly, what you do is harder, and you don't get the same. I mean, you don't get the same benefits as guys like like you mentioned, Kiss. They they cannot play a show for four years and be financially okay. Like right. that's that's the thing with them. But the thing well, is, with you guys something like. Yeah, music, like, they're kind of good, kind of just all right type of band, but no, yeah. The best band in the world. Yeah, I know. <laughs> According it's to me. Like, but it's like, it's like they could they could get away with that. Like, they can they can never play a show again and still be good. With you guys, it's different. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't discredit the fact that, oh, you know, you're kind of just not a big deal band. I think tribute bands and stuff like you guys is honestly much more uh, difficult than people make it out to be. Because one, especially someone like you who could sing any fucking song and nail it. Like, that's hard to do. Like, bands write their songs, they play it each night, they tour, whatever. It's their songs. Like, they know how that's supposed to... You're adapting live in a setting, switching keys, switching everything, and killing it each night. That's harder. I think that's, 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 that's a lot harder than, than people make it out to be. I wouldn't say one is really harder than the other. Um, really? It, just, it's just apples and oranges. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, that, that would be like saying Ronnie James Dio is, you know, you know what I'm saying? He's, that, that would be like saying just because he's not covering a bunch of different artists sure. that would, you know, like, you know, he's in it a whole league of his own and like all yeah. these legendary artists that we cover, you know, to me, they're in a whole league of their own. Mm -hmm. All I can say is I know that we, what we do, we do really well. Um, and I know that, you know, quite honestly, I think that as far as like, as far as like, um, tribute eighties hair metal cover bands, mm -hmm. you know, I, I feel comfortable saying that Hairbangers ball is the best one that I've seen. Oh, in the world. I think, yeah, I mean, and don't, I think. don't feel like, like people might go, oh, he's got an ego. No, I think you should just fucking own that fact. Like, well, I mean, I'm only, I'm only just saying that just because you're like, I wouldn't talk down on yourself. So I, 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 well, just no, I mean, because, um, you know, no, no I, 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 I was just, I was just saying, I do believe in what we do. I think oh, we're absolutely, you know, but no. I mean, that, that has nothing to do with just me. I think the band is awesome outside of having me in the band i mean like sure you know i, I i'm very fortunate to be in the band that i'm in and playing with mm -hmm. the people that i'm playing with um like you know there was a show that we did last summer or i should say they did where i got food poisoning and pete oh, greco shit. from the lounge puppets filled in for me oh, wow. and um i got to i was like at home sick you know near the toilet and near a uh near a puke bucket um but i had my phone with me and i was i was able to see a little bit of the show and I was mm -hmm. still a fan of the band regardless of whether or not I was in it. And it, mm -hmm. it was really cool. I'm, I'm really proud of the band that Hairbangers sure. Ball today. Yeah, no, for sure. Now you, you've been in, what, you've been in here, what, six years now, seven years? Um, it's going to be five in five years. February. Five years. I remember um, I listened to the, the Ages of Rock or whatever it was you said, the podcast too. And you, you talked a little bit about, um, the the time span of members in in the group and stuff like that. He said he yeah, uses yeah. around five years. What is what do you think it is come year five that is like the switching point? It's like okay, this was you know really fun. I'm gonna see what else is out there. What do you think it is? Because that was like such a for you to give a time. I thought was kind of interesting. I didn't know if there was something 
why five? What is it about that year that? Well, it's, it's life. I mean, it's, it's, and not only that, it's, um, you know, you're a different person from Mm -hmm. the beginning of five years as to where you are at the end of it. And, you know, us being a cover band, like I was saying, Mm -hmm. you know, we have, we have, you know, it's not like we have, you know, platinum albums or anything like that. It's not like, you know, we have, you know, we're a big like merchandising entity, like any of the Mm -hmm. legacy rock bands. We're just a working rock band. And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, even though the band gets bigger over time and, you know, it's exposed to more people, um, the nature of the industry that we're in, um, changes over time too. the, Mm -hmm. the band, the band that I've joined hairbangers ball, um, you know, when they first started, they were playing at least 150 shows a year. Jesus. Whereas to now we're playing 120 shows a year because there's not as many, um, weeknight opportunities. Like, you know, there's not a whole lot of Thursday night plays like there used to be when the band first started. Um, there's a lot of the um, a lot of the opportunities that there were for cover bands in the Midwest. Um, mm-hmm. There's you know there's not quite as many opportunities for work. So um, you know basically you know roundabout you know it's it's you know it, it's a young person's game playing 150 mm. shows a year. It really right. beats up your body. And then, you know, um, I, I think this, the schedule just fatigues people over time. And usually by mm-hmm. around the five-year mark, you know, uh, I would say on average, there are some people that, you know, they join the band and they only last about a year or two or mm-hmm. something like that. Because yeah. even a year or two is hard in any sure. working band that's playing that often. And then there are people like you know kid chaos who was he left us in uh november of Mm -hmm. 2019 he was with the band for almost 10 years wow so it it just really goes to people's personal preference and what they want to do with their life it's a really hard job to have um it's a really hard job to have like you know if you want to have a family oh yeah like that and um you know i think i i think almost every most, with a few exceptions here and there, most people join Hairbangers Ball in their 20s. And, um, you know, that's really, um, your 20s and 30s, I would say that, that's, you know, people make jokes all the time, like, oh, the thing I like about Hairbangers Ball is, you know, I get older and they stay the same age. Kind right. Of. <laughs> we're, we're kind of like, like... That's a good way to put Dallas, it, actually. The, we're like the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders of... Um, 80s hair metal covers in the mid that's a good analogy no totally like, it's like you want to keep the youthfulness there and keep keep the the energy and keep keep what the band was started for there forever yeah it's, it's not like there's like an age requirement or anything right. like that it's not like you get old and it's you like, get fired yeah. or something like that it's yeah, just that. you know hey dude you're 40 time's ticking get out yeah. <laughs> when, when no when somebody when somebody starts in the band we usually look for somebody younger who wants sure. to live that lifestyle of playing all the time and mm-hmm. drinking and partying and you know just being social whereas right. you know it's hard to hire somebody it's hard to start out in Hairbangers Ball at like 42 with a family. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, right. 
No, that, I totally get it. You mentioned the drinking. Um, obviously, that's a big part of your shows. Usually, you, uh, when I was at the Aurora one, I mean, it started out, that one photo I took that you used for promo for the Blooming Tin show, it was like, you guys start out of the gate. You guys are just all about that that energy that that you're all about just freaking going crazy and, and i love it when it comes to looking for people in, in the bands you mentioned the drinking where, where does that fall on brian's uh, list of importance in finding members <laughs> on my list of importance yeah I'm just um i don't care what you do i don't care if you drink or take drugs as long as you do your sure. job well and you're a pleasant person damn right yeah around. Mm-hmm, um, for sure. You know, I mean, I prefer like I go out on stage. Um, I don't drink before we go on. Right. Lately, near the end of the show, after I've gotten a solid portion of the show done, lately because we've been playing so infrequently, I know I know sure. I don't have a show the next day. I've been having a couple drinks near the near the end of the night. Um, yeah, just because it's it's you know it's. I was more just screwing with you there, but. <laughs> You know, yeah. well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you, nobody, nobody goes to see a band play Motley Crue songs that, you know, makes you think that they live a healthy lifestyle. <laughs> I mean, like, right. Ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh, that's not fun. Like, yeah. or, at, or at least like, you know, pretend. I mean, it's, no, it's, it's entertainment. Fun. Yeah, sure. No, I just busted your traps here. What is it? I mean, how do you usually come across, you know, the finding the members for, for a group like this? I mean, is this more just, you know, just, hey talking after shows with, with people who come and visit and or, you know, see you guys? How, do, how does the formation and stuff like that go as far as finding um, pieces? It, it varies. Um, I can't say from the beginning because I've, you know, the band's been around for 20 years and I've only yeah. been around for the past five. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a lot of it is Craigslist. A lot of it is like word of mouth. Yeah. Um, uh, Joe Sprunt we found on Instagram. Mm, do um, good play man yeah he's great he's great absolutely insane i mean that's you know that's we found him just like i was looking up like the hashtag warren Martini, and then that's yeah. how i found him so yeah. if if you're a young musician out there make sure to hashtag your videos yeah use instagram <laughs> there are creepers like me uh yeah go through <laughs> hashtags and stuff like that yeah i wouldn't say creepers though i mean at the end of the day i mean you're seeing people that's how people are getting discovered now. Like a guy just if talked you, to you the other you, day. If you saw how much, if you saw how deep I went on that search and how often yeah. I was doing it, I think you would change your mind about, I wouldn't say creeper. I mean, I was, <laughs> well, I mean, you got to do your job. Me, everybody who knows me knows I've got like massive internet stalking skills. Okay. Yeah. Well, at least, so now that you said that, I could contest that, hey, like that's something with me too. And a lot of it is just like, I find myself like, I'm going to go on Instagram for 10 minutes. And I go, oh, shit, it's 2 a.m., you know? It's like you get lost in it. But, you, you know, you mentioned Instagram being a huge part of finding stuff. I mean, it's the truth. I mean, a guy I just talked to the other day, um, Zane Carney, that's how John Mayer discovered him. He goes, he was on Instagram just watching videos. Emailed him and says, hey, do you want to be in my band? Just like that, like just an email. It's yeah. like, sure. Like, that, that, that's where we are now. It's crazy. Aside from Hair Bangers, you, uh, this, the, Love Blast, the other um, group that you're in, you guys did some pretty, I mean, you've had some amazing opportunities with there too, Sebastian Bach. And, so how did that kind of come to be? And I mean, as far as, you know, continuing on with that, 
what is what is the future look like for 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 Love Blast? Okay. Um, the um, it, it's hard to know how some of that stuff came to be because like I sure. started I started that band in like 2007. Um, wow. Yeah. It was when I started doing demos for that. I had mm-hmm. like I had free studio time at the college that I was going to at the time. Nice. I was just I was just a guitar player at the time and um. I was just recording instrumental demos and I was writing songs and I always had Mm. the intention of having a lead singer come in. And then it came time to audition singers and they were all just Mm. really, really weird or unreliable or one guy would have the look and then he couldn't sing. And then you Mm. would have a guy who could sing great and then he didn't have the look. Um, And, you know, in the type of music that I, that I like to write and I like to play, you've, you've got to have the whole package. You've got to have, you know, you know, Motley Crue is just as much theatrical as they are, Mm -hmm. you know, musical, you know, maybe even more so in some, in some people's eyes. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, you've got to, you've got to be the, the total package. And so Mm -hmm. I just, I just got tired of, I eventually was just like, you know what, I will just start singing myself Mm-hmm. and um i'll figure it out because i'd rather i'd rather figure it out and just eat my balls for years on stage <laughs> yeah than to deal with weirdo fucking right, lead singers and sure. stuff no, and now totally. i am one. um yeah. <laughs> but but yeah so with that band it was just kind of a lot of slogging it out and a lot of trial and error like i just knew i wanted to like put out albums and I wanted to play shows and you know, there's no real like business model or any way I went about like getting on tours or mm-hmm. opening bands. It was mostly just pounding the pavement and getting told no a lot of times and then um, being told yes. And then learning that, you know, the yes was not, you know, actually, you know, going to come to fruition and just being told no again and again and again and again. Sure. And, and then finally, you know, having the oppor- finally having certain opportunities come up. But, you know, things like the Sebastian Bach show, mm-hmm. you know, that That's was those were long later. Yeah, no, they're fun shows. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fun shows. But when you're opening for a band, especially when you're local support, when you're tour support and mm-hmm. you're actually traveling with the band, and you get your own sound check. It's, it's awesome. But when you're actually like local support at a venue and you've got like pre-sale tickets and yeah. you feel like a girl scout, um, it's, it's the, the half hour that you're on stage in front of this legendary act is a lot more glamorous than the actual process that goes into it. Like pre-selling mm-hmm. tickets and, you know, just um, exhausting people to sure. come out and hopefully, you know, buy a ticket to a show right. or buy a CD or something. You know, it's it's really tough when you don't have like big financial backing. Like one thing is if you look at a lot of the, if if you look at a lot of the successful original bands that are out there today, mm-hmm. um, because there aren't as many record labels anymore, there's one thing that they have in common and a lot of them kind of come from money because mm-hmm. they a lot of them have kind of bought their careers um or at least the they've some of them it's not even a career they're buying the illusion of a career um mm. there's a lot of like i call them dadager bands out there where you know somebody is kind of like funding their entire operation and hey that's mm-hmm. okay that's okay i mean right. look at look at the jackson five they were a dadager. Band yeah, no and kidding. 
and they were still one of the best of all time. You right. Know, if, if you're good, you're good. But there's sure. a lot of bad out of there because mm. with there not being record labels anymore, it's usually, you know, people kind of buying their careers now. But even, even, even so, the, the good ones still stick around and the bad ones go away. Sure. Uh, yeah. No, but in, in any event, with Love Blast, it, it was a hard thing to keep going because it, it kind of spends more money than it makes kind of a yeah. thing and it you know when you're you know when you're turning 30 and you're living at your parents <laughs> house and you've got nothing to show for yourself after a while you're kind of like oh, what shit, am i gonna do sucks. and then yeah yeah and you know you've put your entire life on the line for that at that point in time you know thankfully i got a phone call from hairbangers ball wanting to know because I, w- I was getting to a point before i joined hairbangers where mm-hmm. i was playing in other cover bands and I was just like, you know, I would just kill to just play every Friday and Saturday. And then and the it. day I said that to myself, oddly enough, the next day I got a wow text from Jen. And she was like, you know, Hairbangers Ball is looking for a lead singer. Would you like to audition? Wow. Go there figure. you go. That's awesome. But, um, with Love Blast, it, it's tough because now I'm so busy with Hairbangers. Sure. That, yeah. um, you know, I haven't been like playing with the band as much, but I've been writing and recording a ton. So I really? have a, I, I have like at least an album's worth of music almost wow. ready to go. I'm working on right now. And then I've got like almost like two to three more albums written and just basic lyrics. Holy, like demo. completely written. Yeah, completely written. But, um, you know, it still needs to be f- fine tuned and gone over. But yeah, I've I'm getting ready to release something soon. I don't know if it's, I don't, I think I'm probably just going to release it under my own name. It just is Brian Durbin since that's how I made it. I just recorded mm. it all myself. I wrote it all myself and I, um, I've been wow. trying my hand at producing it and stuff. And I don't know it's just, it's fun for me. My, sure. I like records. I like, you know, I like appetite for destruction. I like, mm. You know, the first Van Halen album. I like oh, that's body, one of my favorites. bodies of yeah. work like that that, you know, are just inspiring as opposed to I thought about releasing singles and stuff like that. And I've done that before. But right now, while I'm writing and recording so much, I think while I've got the, the juices flowing, mm-hmm. sure. I think I'm going to release an album soon. But still that's awesome, it. man. Yeah. I think it's you awesome. saw a lot of that, though, too, especially midsummer when bands really start to figure out that, oh, this is this is going to be long. We're going to be at home for a while. It's like, how can we maybe turn some profit? Well, hey, if we put out a record, maybe that will bring some money. But at the same time, you'll have those people who go to Spotify and then fuck you in the end because you're not getting shit for that. So, yeah, yeah, you d- definitely um, recording music is not um, it sucks. not a it's good hard. business model right now. No. Um, but you know. If For the you, producers, it is. I mean, who necessarily? Well, like, let's say you go to a recording studio. Boom, boom. It's well, yeah, because they're being hired for a sure. service, right? But yeah. um, the actual business model of selling albums—it's oh, horrible—is really non-existent right sure. now. If but those that love doing it are going to do it, no matter if you make money off of it or not. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Not for sure. Now, 
I see I see you wearing the the rat shirt there. Um okay. just it just it just brings me back to something that's kind of I think about all the time as I'm sitting in front of all these tour posters from bands that I've actually got to work with from UFO, Buddy Guy, Robert Craig, Kenny Wayne Shepherd and stuff like that. Would you look back at, you know, you as a kid? Did you ever envision you getting up on the stage multiple nights a week in a band singing all these songs that you literally grew up listening to nonstop? Like, is that, is that still something that you're like, wow, this is actually kind of fucking cool? Oh, well, it is definitely cool. Um, I would say the, I don't, I don't know. When I was seven years old and I got into Aerosmith for the first time, that was when, that was when I was like, that's all I want to do. All I, all I wanted to do when I was a kid was be Steven Tyler. And, um, (laughs) so, um, you know, over time, you know, um, your circumstances meet, um, you know, you know, I, I always, you know, at the end of the day, my, my true passion, you know, if I would have had, you know, if I would be able to tell you exactly what I wanted mm-hmm. to do with my life, I would mm-hmm. be like, you know, I wanted to be an original recording artist like Aerosmith or Kiss or Motley mm-hmm. Crue and stuff like that. But having said that, getting to making a living off of going on stage and just rocking out to all my favorite songs is amazing. I mean, yeah, yeah, I feel I feel like I've hit the jackpot. Sure. No, absolutely. No, it's crazy. Hitting the jackpot as someone, I mean, getting up on stage and, and making enough money to, to live off of. I mean, that's, that's great. It's better than being stuck in an office like I am. I hate well, it, I, you know, I've, been, I've been there, and, you know, especially with all of this, you know. you know, Sucks, man. Yeah, I might be back to that at some point in time. Yeah. The whole office thing was more of like a recent thing and then the pandemic coming and then all my, my concert photography stuff just got thrown out the door. It was just like, this sucks. And I, I told people the other day, it's like, it didn't really bother me at the start. Honestly, it took like month seven for me to really go, damn, this sucks because I was a kid in high school. Every Friday night, I'd be in my room. But Monday through Friday during the day at school, I was, you know, the most talkative person in the whole school. But I just had like this social thing where I just, eh, I never did anything. So it took month seven for me to go, wow, this, this really sucks. And now I'm really starting to lose my mind. So that show in Aurora was like, like, wow, life is cool, man. And then I don't know when that's going to happen again. Next Friday, Geneva for sure. But it's just, it's just very, very strange. The future of music is just now is completely uncertain like i don't know uh, being in your position uh, as a band i mean what is do you feel that the industry is going to recover or get back to some level of where we were before this pandemic any i mean within the next five years or you think it's going to take a lot longer um to be perfectly honest i don't know that life is ever going to go exactly to the way it was before all right. of this. I, I think that um I think that those who are going who are determined to figure it out are going to mm-hmm. figure it out. But sure. no, I mean we're we're gonna lose some bands, we're gonna lose some venues. Oh, we're gonna, you know, but there but new ones will show up. I, sure. I firmly believe that. And I think that there will be new ways um to make a living doing this, whether if 
you know, like a band like Hairbangers before this yeah. made all of its income, virtually all of its income solely off live performances. I mean, we have like a little bit of um, merch sales, a little bit of merch sales, but that's never been really the focus of the band. It's sure. pretty much just been, you know, um, live performances. Live performances. But, yeah. but um, yeah, you we'll see if there's a way to monetize live streaming who knows i mean i don't yeah. i don't know if anyone's really figured it out that it even even those that have figured it out it, they seem like they're playing very infrequently like a band like you know we always look to the bands that are bigger than sure. us that what we do like a band like steel panther they're still doing you know maybe one live stream a month you know mm -hmm. so if if all we have is this formula 12 12 gigs a year ain't going to cut it. There's going to have to be other, other things to figure it out. So, but yeah. So when I listened to the, the ages of rock podcast, that's where I left off at. Um, you, you talked frequently about, about kiss and the errors of kiss that you liked. Um, you're a big fan of the, uh, the, the, I think it was the eighties, more so the eighties era of kiss with cool and stuff like that. Yeah, what I mean, I, I love all types of kiss, but sure. I mean, what was it? I mean, what is it about just that? Like, I, I, you mentioned a little bit about it in there, but what is it about Kulik and his playing and involvement in the group that just gets you more? Um, I don't know if it's it necessarily gets it for first of first and foremost with '80s Kiss for me. It's really all about the songs, and um, I think that. Um, Paul Stanley and Desmond Child had a really underrated songwriting relationship sure. in that time period. I mean, Paul was just doing all sorts of great mm -hmm. stuff on his own than like writing on his own and stuff. And I just think that in the 80s, that's when Paul really hit his stride. Yeah. Paul, Paul is, you know, he's my guy at the end of the day. And just I, th I think he was just singing and writing his ass off at the time and then when you know when he would work with desmond child for me it was always a home run mm -hmm. and then i just i just love the band i think gene simmons is a really underrated bass player sure. i mean i know he doesn't really care about that but um i love the way he plays bass bruce kulik i would say um is personally maybe my favorite Kiss guitar player. Really? I think wow. Ace probably Ace probably wrote the most iconic solos. Oh, but for I sure. think pound for pound for like the like I like flashy guitar playing, mm -hmm. um, mixed with like kind of almost like lyric, um, melody kind of mm -hmm. playing. So Bruce always kind of gave me the best of both worlds. He's like he's somewhere in between like you know, the flash that was going on in the eighties and then Ace Freely, whereas like some of the other KISS guitar players, um, you know, you know, like I love Vinnie Vincent, but I think he went a little too off the cuff um <laughs> playing the classic KISS material. I love what he did on Lick It Up uh -huh. and Creatures of the Night, but um Bruce to me was, you know, the perfect blend of all the great qualities of KISS guitar players. What you guys are doing, um with with this hairbanger thing, this podcasting, I freaking love it. Like I was excited. We were supposed to be, um, me and my girlfriend. We were going to the the press conference thing in West Chicago, and we were like so okay. bombed, like that that guy because it was an interesting thing. Like I saw, she told me about it. I'm like, 
So it's just like a press conference. Like I was confused at first. Like I didn't understand it. And a lot still of, kind a lot of don't. people don't understand it. And that's that's the beauty of it. Is like right. who? Why do you need to explain things to people? You right. Know? <laughs> like who cares? Like right. And then that's what I, transition. I'm I'm assuming the podcast is essentially similar to to what that structure would have been like, where it's just Q and A with fans and talking and stuff like that. Yeah. The the basic. Um, I I told I totally ripped off the idea from Bill Burr because okay, he started. I love him. He started doing like you know he's got his Monday morning podcast. Sure. Yeah. Well, he started doing those at um. He's done a couple now at the Troubadour in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not doing it in front of a crowd. He's just like selling merch. Um, he's making like custom merch and just performing on the stage over mm-hmm. there and filming his podcast there. But I was like, hey, you know if. Maybe I could do something like that at a limited capacity show of, you know, 50 people. But then we got shut down again. So that didn't happen. I hope to do it. That's that's what I bought the whole podcasting setup for was because I wanted I I was going to debut that whole new setup at that Mm -hmm. um, at that show. But sure. Play maybe about 10 acoustic songs or. Maybe more, maybe less, depending on how my voice felt that day. Yeah, Joe, I got you on that. Um, that kind of makes me to to want to bring this up too is with the whole um, balancing act between singing guitar playing. Because when you said you started, um, I mean, you it sounded like you were just solely focused on playing guitar when you were younger. When did the whole idea of, hey, maybe I, you know, singing sounds, you know, maybe I should do that too. Like maybe there's an opportunity or outlet there for for me with singing i mean were you just at when you were younger were you just so focused on playing the guitar and you didn't even think about singing and when did the idea of you know giving singing an, a try come into the picture for you um i actually wanted to sing before i played really guitar. The, yeah i wanted to sing um i uh yeah i just uh <laughs> It's a funny background story, but yeah, I, uh, go for I it. Know, basically, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is I was just too chicken to yeah. sing on my own. I mean, yeah, no, um, I got you. so I just I decided to play guitar. But whenever I listen to albums, really, at the end of the day, like the thing that always got me the most was the lead singer, just sure, or whoever the front man was, you know, who mm. who the big personality in the middle was, and you know, I. I always resonated with people. When I listened to music, I was always listening to Steven Tyler. I was always listening to Paul Stanley and Vince Neil and Sebastian Bach, David Coverdale. That's where my focus was, always listening to those albums and stuff. And then, you know, I developed a, an appreciation for guitar was like the first thing I was ever good at. Yeah. So I was just totally stoked when I started figuring out how to do that. But um, yeah, then when I got tired of auditioning singers, um, that was when I was just like, all right, it's time to just try it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, sure. when it, when it comes to, to singing, um, the stuff that you do with, with, with hair bangers and your originals, what is the, is, is there, what is your sound sound like? That, that's the thing that I'm kind of interested in. Um, cause when you're singing the, 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 the songs uh, with hair bangers, obviously, it's it's still your voice, it's still your sound, but when comparing that to your original music, is there a considerable difference as far as uh, 
vocal identity or is it still kind of similar to that? Um, that's, that's an interesting question. I would say, um, I think on these new recordings that I'm making, I'm kind of slowly starting to come into my own kind of approach. I wouldn't say it's necessarily my own sound because there are times where, you know, you can definitely hear five years of hairbangers ball in my voice. You know, I can, I'll, I'll sing a certain note at some point in time. I'll be like, Oh wow. That kind of sounds like (laughs) a Joe Elliott or something like that. Or that that sounds like John Bon Jovi or, you know, Vince Neil or something like that. Um, But I I think um, really through self-recording myself a lot lately, Uh especially over the past few years, um, I've started to, you know, it all kind of just comes through trial and error, like Mm -hmm. listening to recordings, you know, going, going and recording myself singing one day and then listening to it the next day and then being like, okay, I like when I do this, I don't like when I do this or, oh, wow, I didn't know that I could sound like that there. Maybe I'll try that a little bit more. Just developing, it's almost kind of like a character voice over time. And I I think I'm starting to slowly but surely, I I think the first, the first couple like Love Blast albums, I was a little Mm -hmm. bit more limited of a singer. There was only so much I could do at the time and I wanted to do more, but that's kind of how all my favorite singers started out. Like if you listen to early Aerosmith and early kiss sure they're not the singers that they became 10 years later oh yeah. they're they're they have much more limited range but the one thing that paul stanley and steven tyler had is they had great character mm-hmm. to their voice mm-hmm. um and you know whether it was you know singing something like strutter or you know um mama kin there's still character in that. Right. And then later on when Paul Stanley's singing, I'll fight hell to hold you. And he's singing up in the stratosphere. Then you got Paul, I mean, uh, Steven Tyler on, you know, like something like F I N E, um, you know, they're, they're a whole new singer at that point sure. in time. And it just comes from years and years of on stage experience and trying new things. I think, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I can't speak no. for those guys. I can just say <laughs> right. the 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 interesting thing is, uh, there's there's this quote out there. I think it's John Mayer said it, and it's true. Is would you would you try to sound or you try to to match your voice to something like like a record or something like that? In that process, when you're you fail to try when you fail to try to sound like someone else that you aren't. In that process, you develop your own identity and own sound. And, um, it's kind of interesting to look at it that way, because at the end of the day, it's the truth. Like every time, like there's a song that comes on, it's like, I, when I singing it, I'm singing it the way that it's supposed to sound on a record in my head, but deep down inside, it sounds like ass because I, I mean, that's not you. Like you have to adjust and you have to sing it in a way, in a range that, um, you can sing it. And I think that that's hard especially for, well, for me or just any, anybody in general, um, singing it in a safe spot and in a range that you can do it correctly without breaking. Was that very hard for you too um, when you started to really hone your craft as a singer to, to I mean, stay in a range for you? I not- still feel like I'm figuring that out. and It's hard. That- 
that's the other thing too is i don't i don't care what anyone says rock lead singers don't like being told to stay in a certain range oh, no, rock, they don't give a rock, fuck. rock lead singers like thinking they're invincible and thinking yeah. they can do like anything. a dlr live david lee roth live i mean come on well, There's I mean, no I, I, I personally, you know, as a fan, I wish he would stick closer to the original recordings. Yes, me too. You know, man. when he sings. But sure. I mean, hey, you know, uh, clearly, clearly most people don't feel the same way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, look at their, look at what their ticket sales have been yeah. all this time. I mean, you know, and when you're, when you're there in the moment, like, you know, it, it's, you know, David Lee Roth's the shit, but yeah. Um, you know, when you when you're listening to like a soundboard recording later, I'd like I'd like to hear him stay closer to the original. Oh, but me hey, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he's gonna be taking advice from me anytime soon. No. I don't <laughs> think know. he cares no. about anyone else. No. What, what anybody has to say. Nor should he. Right. Nor should he. You know, <laughs> he's. But David um. Roth. Yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So what what you you touched on. Uh, some of the Aerosmith stuff. What are some of your your uh, your favorite kind of deep cuts when it comes to Aerosmith music? Um, I mentioned F I N E earlier, the second track off of the Pump album. Um, sure, I, that's been like a really big go to for me over the years. Um, I love Magic Touch off of Permanent Vacation. I'm I'm one of those Aerosmith fans that like. You know, every everybody is always like, "Oh yeah, I like them better back when they were on drugs." Like, I mean, uh, I like I okay. like Aerosmith on drugs <laughs> yeah. too. I like Aerosmith on drugs too, but I I like the glossy, shiny uh, Geffen years Aerosmith. I like Permanent yeah. Vacation, um, Pump, Get a Grip. You know, and then like when they, I, I Nine Lives is one of my favorite Aerosmith albums. Hmm. Um, as far as the '70s stuff, um. Rats in the Cellar is awesome. Oh, of course. Um, Rocks is my favorite 70s Aerosmith album. But, I mean, Kings and Queens, um, One Way Street. Um, there's so many great Aerosmith songs. Make It. Um, there's just too I many. Mean, yeah, I... You'd be hard-pressed to find an Aerosmith song I don't like. I mean, there, there are maybe a couple, mm. uh, but... Ooh, you since you brought really that up, I have to go back to Kiss then on that. So there's one album of Kiss that I can't, I can't stomach, and that's Psycho Circus. Now see, I, I, there's a lot of people who feel that way. I know there. I like that album. Yeah. Um, I think it's a confused album. I, I think yeah. anybody. Who, I, th I think one thing too is people don't understand how big the backlash to that music was. Mm -hmm. in throughout the 90s and like the late the you know ever ever since you know the whole grunge thing i mean mm -hmm. everybody knows about all that and stuff but it was really hard even for bands like kiss um which is a 70s band to sure. come out of just the beating that um all of like the major media i guess you would you would refer to it like mtv and vh1 uh -huh. you know when when that music was considered not cool anymore um, it was really hard for bands like Kiss to figure out, you know, who they even were, even mm -hmm. by even after the grunge movement is is gone. Right. You know, when when Psycho Circus is coming out, the you know the big music at that time, the big rock music is stuff like Smashing Pumpkins, right? And um, you know, I don't I don't I don't even know. I I that's like one of the Green time periods of music I hate the most. Like, is this the late nineties? Like, 
Um, yeah, it's kind of strange. Yeah. But um yeah, I mean, I think on that album they were they were they even made a conscious decision that there were going to be no songs written about sex, which you That's know, not that. that not <laughs> it is really tough for Kiss. I mean, you you're that's like saying like the, you know, that's like saying that, it's like write a rap song yeah. with like nothing desponding in there about women or, you know, don't mention drugs. Just like, I don't know, but Striper, a band like Striper, they've seemed to have been able to do it. Their home, all their music is like laced with scripture, but well, it's tough. Well, here, here's the thing about that. You know, as people change and mature through their lives mm -hmm. um you know certain things you know it's kind of how we were talking about how members of hairbangers ball like you know move when on you join the band yeah. and when you when you by the time you leave the band you're a different person right. you know things that lifestyle is a hard thing to sustain sure over time just physically i mean i don't i don't care what anyone says like Every everybody gives Vince Neil a bunch of shit about how he he looks, you know, these days or whatever. Well, that's right. what you look like if you keep living the rock and roll lifestyle. Sure. If you want to yeah. look thin and shredded like Phil Collins, you have to do what <laughs> Phil Collins does. Yep. You know what I mean? So something like the subject matter of the striper music, you mm -hmm. can do that your whole life because it's right. not it's something that's not destructive. Sure. You know, you, it's really hard to maintain destructive behavior. I wish it wasn't. <laughs> I wish it wasn't, yeah. you know, so I, but, I it, it. but it is. Though so I totally get it. I mean, you even, uh, what you call it? You, you see, you do see groups, though, who actually, uh, who, like, make a big switch. I mean, I don't, I hate country. Um, I don't. I should say, hey, I don't like it because I, I can't hate any music because at the end of the day, people are sitting down, they're writing it, they're recording it, they're producing it. They're, I mean, that's, that's a craft. I don't have to like it or listen to it, but I appreciate all music. Um, it is uh, how people switch. And I even look at people like Keith Urban from going from literally punk alternative rock and finding a different sound later on in life and morphing into to country. I mean, people have these identity switches. Um, at different times in their life, and I think it is interesting to see how 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 it changes, like people drastically. It's interesting. It, it really is interesting. As far as your songwriting goes, on your original stuff, how does that process usually come to fruition too? Because songwriting is is something that I kind of struggle with. Certainly, um, I mean, what do you? What are your songs? What is, what's coming out of them? Like, what, what are you passionate about, or what's, what's something that is a big part of your life that influences a lot of the these songs? Um. Well, the the thing that I'm most passionate about is obviously is music. Is music is right. music. So I usually start from the music standpoint as opposed to lyrics. I usually, usually. I'm writing my best songs when I'm playing my guitar at least a little bit sure. every day. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just, it's almost kind of like going fishing. Like I, I pick up my guitar and I just, I just play. I don't really think Around. about, you know, un unless there's something that like I need to like build up chops for mm -hmm. or something. Um, 
you know, I, I kind of just, I just sit and play and I just wait, I just kind of let my mind wander. And then eventually I'll make a mistake that sounds good or something. Or sure. I'll just kind of, just kind of be playing a simple groove over and over again. That kind of, I'm like, Oh, that sounds cool. And I'll just kind of slowly build an idea of where music right. goes. And then when it comes time to, I'll, I'll, I'll usually record like the bass level music first mm-hmm. or something like that. And then I'll just kind of like scat vocal ideas on top of it. Like it's it's almost kind of like speaking in tongues in a weird way. No, it's no, like, no, I know what you mean. Like yeah. You'll have backing music and you just and then just, you know, kind of making up stuff from there. And then I kind of just figure out like what sound, what is this? I always kind of ask myself, like, what does this sound like it's about to me? What is this song? Is it is it a happy song? Is it a sad song? um you know it's an aggressive song like mm-hmm. and then uh, i'll um i'll just kind of think about you know a general theme that the song could be about i'll sure. kind of sing you know through my dumb ideas and kind of like <laughs> what does it sound like i'm saying what does yeah. it kind of sound like i'm saying there and then um i'll just kind of slowly i usually like sit down for an hour and i usually uh-huh. give myself like because lyrics are not my strong point Lyric. Oh, no. I like I like a lot of the lyrics that I write. I've learned to like them, uh-huh. but it um lyrics are usually like okay. I have to. I feel like I'm doing homework a lot of time when I'm yeah. writing okay. lyrics, um, which is not a you. If you feel like you're doing homework mm-hmm. when you're writing lyrics, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong yeah, yeah. because you shouldn't feel like you're working at any point in time. But yeah, no kidding. That's wow. the catch twenty two of it because it it's work to get into that mindset. But the sure. more you the more you force yourself to do it and just be like, all right, I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna write lyrics for an hour today. And if giving yourself hard cutoff times is is a good thing too, because if 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 you sit there too often with the mentality of I've got to finish a song today and that's all there is to it, it's gotta right. be done, you're making yourself miserable and then you're not gonna go back to it the next sure. day. So if you just Give yourself an out. If you feel like going beyond an hour or mm-hmm. however long, however long your process is, then, you know, awesome. But if it starts to feel like work after that hour, just stop, pick, a, pick it up tomorrow and see where you're at. And, you know, you, yeah, you're, you're not going to be getting a song overnight with that approach right. necessarily, but you'll get a body of work that kind of snowballs over time. And then sure. just staying organized and, you know, I, I keep a, uh, I keep notes on my phone as to where my songs are. Oh, yeah, of like, course. This song has lyrics. This song needs lyrics. This song, um, guitars are tracked for this song. Drums are recorded, you know, mm. all, and I just slowly just chip away at that over time. Yeah. That's, that's what works for me. I also, um, I bank a lot of lyric ideas. So I, um, in my notepads, like if I have like a one-liner that I think uh-huh. of, I'll just throw it and I have a section in my notepad on my phone called wow. one-liners. And so... Oh, so that like starts, that, that could be a start of something. You just say Or I can visit, if I'm stumped on something, I'll be like, let's see where my one-liners are. And some, occasionally ah. I'll, I'll be like, oh, this line works perfect for that. Wow. So it's just... Um, and that's something I found out... Um, I got the idea from a David Lee Roth interview. I heard that he did that. 
And then I found out yesterday when I was watching a documentary on ACDC that Bon Scott mm-hmm. used to do the same thing. So if David Lee Roth and Bon Scott are doing it, I think, I think it'll work out just fine for me. Yeah, no, for sure. So like you, you, you could have these one-liners. Let's say you're writing a song and like, hey, there should be, you know, I got to put in another verse here. You'd go through your one-liners, be like, oh, maybe, maybe I could, is that kind of that process? Yeah, like for example, wow. too, um, for example, I found out yesterday the line, she told me to come, but I was already there and you shook me all night long. Mm-hmm. That was actually a Bon Scott lyric. Really? Off of, of just sheets that he had just for banking like that, wow. just banking ideas. And then they, they used that line. Interesting. Now, oh, yeah. when, when you're recording and I've had, I've had friends do this too, where, you know, they'll just, they'll just hit record on their phone, voice memo, or they'll just have everything plugged in in the studio and they'll hit record. As soon as they enter the room, like they just have it recording just to capture anything and everything that happens in case something happens that like, Oh shit. Like, what was that? I, and they go, oh, I wasn't recording and you miss out on that. Has there been a moment for you where you've literally just had stuff just recording and you've had a moment where like one take of a song, you go, oh, I like that. And then you just keep that take. Like I've had friends who go emotionally, I've had times like that where I've tried to record that again after the first time and then another time. And then, But I never felt the same way about the song or the recording on times two, three, four, and five, the first time was the, was the best time. Do you ever have times like that where it's like one take, like that's it, that that's going on, that's going on the record. Yeah. I I have moments where like, I, um, I just do one pass through and, you know, like I, I tracked a song the other day where I did, I did one pass through of it, um, for the lead vocals. Sure. And yeah, it was, it was exactly what I needed for that, for that take. And I didn't need to do anymore, but that, that, that's rare for me. I would say usually, usually like I sing through a song about five times from front mm-hmm. to back and then um, I'll make like a comp track of the lead vocal. Sure. That's, and then same thing usually with, um, with basic, mainly because I hate editing in Pro Tools oh, and yeah, whatever. Sucks. But I hate I hate doing it. So I'd rather sit down and play something a million times over mm-hmm. and over again than have to start polishing turds. You know, yeah, like no, that's a good way to look at it. Which I mean, I I do plenty of turd <laughs> polishing, but um, but I try not to do much of it because mm-hmm. I I it sucks the fun out of making music for me. I'd rather just just when I'm in the when I'm in the zone, I just sure. hit cycle record mm-hmm. on what track I'm working on and just go through it until I've, I feel like I've got one take where I'm like, yeah, I really nailed it all the way right. through. And then usually maybe there's a couple lines here or there that, mm-hmm. you know, need. So then you just go through your, um, your comp list and, mm-hmm. you know, find one where you nailed it or whatever for that one specific line. And then it's done as opposed sure. to creating a performance in Melodyne or something like that. No, I got you with that. Well, you got, um, I appreciate you doing this today. I've I had a blast with this. Um, this was yeah, no, this is a lot of fun, man. I, yeah, I, I I like I don't know. Like lately, it's just been I I used to do like a lot of preparing for for the interviews, but I, I found that like doing that leads to disappointment in the sense like you do all this work and you're like, well, that didn't go as planned. So it's just like I tried to do 
minimal. Like I'll, I'll framework it. I'll do like five things and then I'll make sure I bring up those five things. And then once I bring those up, like I'll have like little things written underneath, like one word, like, you know, this, this, be oh, okay. Cool. Like I, I try not to prepare really as, as much as people may think you should be because I found that there's more fluid and more flow by way of doing that. Because as soon as you do questions, you're like, oh shit. He, he already he already did that and now you're lost now you have nowhere to go so um interviews like this and the last one i did they feel more i don't know conversational and that's really what i'm, I'm trying to get at w with with the show so yeah this was this was fun this felt this felt right on yeah i had, i had, i always enjoy talking music with people whoever sure good stuff man whoever whoever wants to talk with me so i, I appreciate you inviting me man this is yeah very cool, for sure man. Now, you guys got shows coming up. I want you to plug these because, uh, well, I say shows. I think you may have one more show at Even Flow. I don't know what's going on after that, but that's the 11th of December, correct? Yeah, let me pull up my calendar here to just make sure, sure I'm getting everything. Um, and I'll put this out on Monday, too. Um, usually, I do one show, but I, Even Flow's Friday, so I will, I will do two on Monday, and I'll push this out. For this one, because a lot of my listeners are, I mean, I'm Chicago based, so bring them out. Yeah, to we've got um, we've got Even Flow in Geneva on Friday, December 11th. Um, for all of the uh, Bloomington, Indiana people that follow Hairbangers, we've got uh, the Bluebird on December 18th, and then um, we're going to be at Tailgaters in Bolingbrook on December 19th. I hope. I hope to God that show goes through. Um, it's a great place. Yeah, I love playing there. Um, as, as of right now, we're still moving forward with it. Um, December 26th, we are at Kelly's Bleachers in Wind Lake, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. um, and then we are working on a New Year's Eve show right now. But um, I'm going to hold off on mentioning that right now. Um, we're going to be at Brower House. Um, or Afterlife Music Hall, whatever they're calling that place right yeah. now. Uh, Brower House, Afterlife Music Hall, B House, uh, the big room over at the strip mall in Lombard. We're going to be there on January 23rd nice. at, the, at the Punk Rock Applebee's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not, I did not make that up. I saw Steve Brower himself post that on uh, his facebook page yesterday i thought that was hilarious so yeah we're going to be at the punk rock applebee's on january 23rd in lombard illinois at uh brower house awesome stuff man december i i heard you say something about december 18th. weren't you guys supposed to be playing at the castle theater on that day december 18th yeah we were supposed to be there on december 18th but that um kind of that's not going to happen um, so we're trying to figure out a date. That's why it hasn't been taken off of our Facebook page yet, because we don't want to lose all of the money that we spent on advertising <laughs> to ah, for the show. That's smart, not going smart. to happen. Yeah. So we're trying to get the date before December 18th rolls around. So that's why that's still there. We are not at the Castle Theater on in, on the uh, 18th of December. Good to know. I was thinking of making yeah. that trek. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, awesome, good stuff. I I had fun. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it very Absolutely. much. Absolutely, thank you for having me, man.
Thank you guys so much for tuning in. That was my interview with the great Brian Durbin, lead singer of the greatest hair metal tribute band in the world, Hairbangers Ball. If you live in Chicagoland area, be sure to check them out Friday, December 11th, no cost. Doors at 7, shows at 9, and even flow music in Geneva, Illinois. Link will be in the description for y'all to check it out if you guys are in the area and like to check it out safely. Um, yeah, that was fun. I freaking had a great time with it. He's awesome. Super cool dude. He also has a podcast, by the way, the Hairbangers Ball podcast. It's kind of very irregular as far as scheduling goes. kind of just happens on Facebook um, from time to time. But if you follow them on Facebook... Um, that'd be great. Support them. Support any live music. Any Anybody who's been on the show, support them. You know, give them a like, buy a shirt, buy a CD. You know, give back to what they've given us our whole lives. And that's happiness. Pure happiness and joy. Um, and I, I don't think you guys really appreciate that. Like, it's... Music is such a big part of our life. Seeing concerts is fucking awesome. And usually we just walk out, don't even, you know take a glance at the merch don't i mean yeah merch can be expensive but i don't care like throw in some uh, anything you have to support these bands because live music is not the same as it used to be and they really need our help so be sure and support them save our stages as well man it's it's a scary time but i had a blast with brian durbin Support Hairbangers Ball. Like them on Facebook. Follow them on all their social media outlets. Keep the music alive because we sure know that there is not much. I mean, there is, but it's not broadcasted commercially as much as it used to be and as much as it should be. Support rock and roll, blues, jazz, southern rock, and all those genres that aren't getting the attention and appreciation that they should be in the industry eyes. Rant over... Had a blast. We will see you next week with Zane Carney, John Mayer's guitarist, Avril Lavigne's guitarist, and much more. And even Bono is quoted saying that he's the greatest guitarist in New York. End quote. That's coming from Bono. So I had a kick-ass time with Zane Carney. That's next week. If you're into Twitch and video streaming interviews, you can go ahead and check up the interview I had with him on his Twitch already. It's up there. Video. Eh. I don't know if you want to see me, but it's there. If you want to check it out early, be sure to do that. Zane Carney TV on Twitch. Get there. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Always remember, be sure to send me emails, man. It's just Christian at the Monday Morning Blues dot com. Or you could send it to my uh, assistant, booking assistant manager. She's going to get into the role fully soon once school and work start to slow down. My girlfriend, Emma, she is also helping with this and I can't wait until she helps because she's going to take so much weight off my shoulders and we're going to be able to, we're going to be a great team. I mean, we already are great. I freaking love her to death. Um, but yeah, you could send an email to myself or her, just Emma at the Monday Morning Blues.com or Christian at the Monday Morning Blues.com. Or if you want to send a general one, just send it to the Monday Morning Blues at gmail.com. That gets redirected to me. And then if it's for her, I'll filter it on over. So I got a system going here. I'm, I'm working at it, I'm figuring it out. And yeah, life is good sometimes. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening. Next week is Zane. Carney, John Mayer's guitarist, Ever Levine's, and so on, on the show. Stay safe, be well, and we will see you next week. Thank you. Hey.